Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Welcome back to another edition of Bleacher Blums. And we were all hopeful that this was going to be the week where we actually made a proclamation of baseball starting. But nope. Uh, nobody could figure that one out. So uh, they, they are continuing to meet occasionally. I don't think there's as much emphasis. And uh, there's a lot of news coming out uh, regarding, you know, maybe some infighting between the owners, the ideas that the players had going into this meeting. But it's been kind of a, a mess all the way around. But what hasn't been a mess is uh, the relationship here on Bleacher Blums. We are always going to be here for you. We we do not have a good enough CBA that we are going to argue or negotiate or try and uh, circumvent all of the revenue that we are creating. But if it wasn't for our fans, we wouldn't be here. So we, Tuttle and I, think about our fans consistently. And that's the one thing we will always put in front of us when we are doing the Bleacher Blums podcast. So thank you for joining us. We've got a lot to talk about this. Not a lot to talk about, but we have a very special guest coming up. But before we do that, obviously, I want to bring in my co-host, David Tuttle. Tuttle, what is going on in the Western world of David Tuttle? Uh, not a whole lot, but probably the same thing that's going on there. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the listeners and the fans as we talked about in uh we realize that not being able to talk about what's going on here with the lockout and everything. I do think, yeah, we were, I guess we were, I don't, miss, I don't know if we try to misguide ourselves, but I'm just, this, the, the optimism is really difficult, like when in situations like this, because very often things work themselves we, out. We've finally gotten to Tuttle. Tuttle is man. the eternal optimist, and I think man. we may have turned him because of this damn negotiation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, it's certainly for this. And then I was, I met, I was mentioned our producer, Mark, um, before we jumped on about uh, Mike Trout had a post, and it looked, you know, I mean, it was obviously written correctly and maybe you know more statementy than like hey this is my gut feeling but basically saying that hey we just want to play which you know i think you and i've said on this podcast 50 times like the guys just want to play and i yeah. do think one of these in you know gosh here's the optimist in me again if they could just un you know not not lock the players out and go to spring training and keep things open right this is what you try and do i think my mom said this mom shout out to you in a negotiation or an argument or a discussion that gets uh, heated, you always want to try and keep one foot in the circle. That's all, right? Because when you shut the door and you walk away, it's a great. You're point. putting yourselves in a you're putting yourselves in a situation. And I think you know these are grown men. The players want to play. They realize that the CBA isn't maybe what they want it to be. The owners do as well. And I think. You know, I will give you credit for this if you're allowed to have credit for it, um, <laughs> because of your employment status. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, um, the the I think what's holding this up is that I think the players are unified. Many of the owners are unified, but there's a little infighting on the. I mean, they have to get their house in order. We always say you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. I got all these things from somewhere, <laughs> but uh, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think when they get their uh, ducks in a row or get their stuff together, then they'll come to the table and have a much more productive meeting, I guess, if that's fair. No, it is fair. And obviously, like Total hinted at, I can't get too in-depth just because I am a part of an organization and you know, I'm getting the competing emails between the union and uh, from uh, Rob, everybody's favorite, Rob Manfred. But um, you know, there, there is going to be infighting. It's, it's, that's where it's a little bit different in this negotiation. I think a lot of people, if you follow Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal on Twitter, 
you know, even Bob Nightingale to a point, but those guys do a very good job of, of getting the information and providing it, I think, in a simple enough form to where you can understand it. But some stuff came out today that uh, kind of shined a light on what Tull and I have been talking about over the last two podcasts regarding, you know, maybe some of that infighting because there that everybody needs to know that on the on the owner's side you need 23 of 30 votes to pass the CBA and obviously they can't get to that point but there are I didn't realize the the animosity towards Stephen Cohen who is the owner of the New York Mets uh, there were a lot of owners currently who voted against him having a team and now he's in the in the ownership group and uh, that apparently is creating strife I had no idea so I'm learning as much as everybody else is on a daily basis. Yeah. And if you really want to dig in deep and get into numbers and and talk about some of the comparisons between the NBA and the NFL, because we talk about how the NBA broke, uh, the NFL broke, but they created a system that uh, has proven to be pretty beneficial and continue their sport. Uh, if you go listen to SpaTrack, it's uh, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. It's also a great website, SpaTrack.com, for contracts and understanding uh, a lot about the con- the conversations and contracts that happen. But uh, he's got some interesting thoughts on both sides regarding how they could learn from the NBA and NFL uh, regarding the MLB contract situation. So I just recommend that. Throw that out there just in case anybody wants to know. I just wanted to say one thing about your point about Steve Cohen. And I think it's funny, like the country club, the membership. I think Steve Ballmer out here in L.A. with the L.A. Clippers had that yeah. kind of um, greeting when he first got in. And I think it always takes a little time to let the dust settle. And, you know, maybe Steve Cohen doesn't care because he seems to have a lot of money. And, you know, and I think he thinks winning at all costs is probably the way to solve this problem. And we know that a lot of wealthy people solve that by throwing money at it. But, uh, you know, the owners that have been around a while that understand how's the, how this thing's, how this goes typically, um, you know, there's that, what I said before about the the learning and the the building of the relationship, but it's interesting. Yeah, I mentioned, I saw some of the stuff about Steve. All right. Before we get into our interview with Reed Ryan, we're going to take a time for a word from our sponsor. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Bleachers, and we have got a very special guest. This guy, I can't say enough good things about uh, Reed Ryan, who's going to be on with us. And Reed is one of those guys that uh, you obviously heard about because of his relationship to his father, Nolan Ryan. And Reed played uh, minor league baseball. Reed moved into the business sphere of life and has has been very successful with the uh, Sanders Ryan group. And 
has really had his hands in a lot of stuff, but always involved with baseball. And I can honestly say that I would not be in the position I am right now, not just on the bleachers, but in the broadcast booth with the Houston Astros, if it wasn't for Reed Ryan. So it is great to have Reed on. And I can finally say publicly, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it's been great to, to be able to get in the booth and broadcast baseball, but it's equally as great to be on here and have you on. So thank you for coming on, Reed Ryan. How are you doing, man? Jeff, I'm doing great, man. And hey, look, you were you were destined for greatness. There was no doubt about it. And uh, I was just smart enough to say, hey, let's get this guy on the air more and worked out. And look, you guys have a great broadcast team, you and Callis and Julia. I mean, it's 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 magic. And, uh, you know, that's kind of my legacy with the Astros. People say, what are you most proud of? I say we kind of put that that young group together with a little bit of uh, seasoning with uh, Todd Callis. And you guys have been off to the races ever since then. That, that is very kind of you, and, and and anything to be related to the Ryan family is amazing. So I greatly appreciate the kind words. I'm having a blast doing it, and it, being able to stay in the game is is awesome for me because it's something that you and I are both passionate about. So is Tuttle on the other side. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to ask you, you've got something, a project coming up, and if you're following Reed Ryan, you obviously know what it is, but I would like you to tell the fans of the Bleachers and get the word out there on this project that you have accomplished and are about to release at uh, South by Southwest. Yeah, so uh, we have been working the last two years on a film called Facing Nolan. And it's really kind of a tribute film uh, to my dad's life and uh, his career, which spanned 27 years in the major leagues, which is really hard to believe for those that have ever played the game, how, how extremely difficult that is. Um, you know, we've been in the game forever. We, we've owned AAA, AA teams. My dad was an owner and president of the Rangers. I was president of the Astros for seven years, worked for them for eight years. And so during that time, we've had a lot of people kind of approach us and say, hey, you guys should make a 30 for 30. We should, you know, nobody's done anything on Nolan Ryan. And, you know, to be honest, nobody really had the time to dig into it. And so uh, when I left the Astros, my brother Reese and I started talking and saying, hey, look, you know, we're having some some run from people that are interested in doing something here. Uh, let's let's go to school and and see how these things are made, and let's let's dig in and see if we can make this happen. And so, I think the key, and Jeff knows my dad a little bit. Um, you know, he has a little bit of a wall, but once you get past that, and like you're in the locker room, the guys that played with him have a different opinion of the personality and, and, you know, the way my dad acts, interacts with people versus maybe people that meet him for the first time. And so we felt like we had to get some Texas based uh, producers and directors. And so we found kind of a really cool team of guys. Uh, one guy named Russell Groves, who is a producer and executive producer uh, from the Dallas Fort Worth area, lived in Austin a long time, now is in LA. And a director named Bradley Jackson, who grew up here in Houston and also is in LA now. And not only were these guys Texans, but they had a bunch of skins on the wall. They had made some great films. And, uh, you know, we just kind of connected with them and thought it would be a good fit with my dad. And here we are two years later, kind of through the pandemic, and we put some really cool uh, stuff on film and I think people are gonna enjoy it. And we're rolling it out for the first time to a, a live audience uh, that isn't our family uh, this weekend. It, <laughs> South by Southwest in Austin on the 12th, March 12th. That's awesome. 
You know, it sounds like you do that with everything. Like you dig in. Bradley Jackson, isn't that the anchor on Morning Show or something? Isn't that Reese Witherspoon? That's even funnier that it's yeah. to that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Watching that show. Um, Very true. So I, I hope I don't spoil anything because I obviously haven't seen the movie. But my first spring training, I got a Nolan Ryan story, right? And they probably weave throughout this entire movie. Um, the one story was spring training. He was warming up, doing some innings, go down by home plate, smooth out the dirt, but stare in the visitor's dugout, right? Smooth out the dirt on the sides. And rookie guy sitting there going, what the heck is he doing? He's like, oh, he just reminding us we don't bunt on him, especially during spring training, right? So if that's in the movie, you know, hopefully. Uh, there's tons of stories and millions of stories like that, I know. Um, so you touched on something that Blum and I have talked about here before. The way we are around our families and the way we are around people we trust is significantly mm -hmm. different, awesome, um, obviously, than the way we are around you know, I don't, Jeff likes to say the GP, the general public until you get to know them. I think the Texas thing is great. This question's a little bit more about you in that um, your dad was fantastic, a role model, um, you know, inspirational, but really, really, I think um, kind of at that upper echelon. When did you kind of know that following in his footsteps might not be <laughs> ideal for your life? You know, we, I try to do this with my dad and, you know, mm -hmm. you, you want to live your own life. But I think when you have somebody like that that you want to emulate and you want to be like so much, I mean, you, you've obviously done a, a ton of fantastic things on your own. You and your brother obviously doing the research for this project. So it's a long way to get to the question is like, when did you know that you were going to forge your own path and then, you know, kind of, you know, start your life that way? Yeah, no, I, you know, I give a lot of talks uh, to groups, you know, about sort of being yourself and living up to your God-given skills. And like I tell people, there's two ways to go. Either you sort of embrace that your dad is Nolan Ryan. And I used to tell people, you know, even if I was an axe murderer, they'd be like, hey, there's Reed Ryan, the axe murderer. And, oh, yeah, that's Nolan Ryan's son. So, you know, you either embrace it or you're written jet skis and, you know, down in Mexico somewhere. So one or the other. And so I decided, look, you know, this is a big plus. Um, but really, it was my mom and dad uh, that made me feel special. So I can I can really remember two times in my life. Uh, I was a good basketball player in high school, had the opportunity to play in college, uh, same as baseball. My dad came to me and basically said, look, you know, if you really apply yourself, like you might have a chance to play professionally. I think you should go the route of baseball, but don't try to live up to what I did. You're a different kind of pitcher. You know, you're going to have to learn how to, you know, get your curveball over and throw your change up and pitch backwards and sort of sent me down that road of, you know, hey, you don't have to be me. And then the second time was when I got released. Uh, you know, that's a very tough time for anyone that's ever had that happen. And, uh, you kind of second guess, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And you feel like a loser. And, you know, it's just hard because you've been a baseball player your whole life. And my dad came to me and said, how many guys did you play Little League with? And I'm like, yeah, you know, All-Stars, there were like 12 of us. He's like, well, how many of those guys made high school baseball team? Uh, you know, four or five. How many of those guys played in college? Two. How many guys on your college team got drafted? Two. How many played as long as you? None. You know, and mm -hmm. so – he kind of ended up making me really feel good about, hey, you had a great career and, you know, hold your head high. Not everybody's going to be a major leader and not everybody's going to be, you know, me. And you did the best with your God-given ability, man. You should be proud. And so I walked away from that feeling like, you know what, check that box. That part of life was great. And now it's time for a new challenge.
That's pretty amazing. That's some good insight into the into who Nolan probably really was and who he was to you in motivating you and helping you understand. It's it's kind of interesting to see that dynamic as I, that's something on the outside. Nolan Ryan is a mythical character who who's the, who, the strikeout king, the intimidation and things like that, but who had a real true understanding of how hard it actually was to play this game. And obviously it motivated you outside of the game at baseball and you, you've proven your worth in, in many other ways. And that was, you kind of hinted at how your dad was on the field and how he was in the clubhouse. And like you said, I've had the opportunity to meet him, interview him, talk with him off camera and what amazingly humble is is probably how I would describe him, an incredible storyteller, an incredible enthusiasm for the game. But I want to ask you, how did you approach him with this idea, and what was his reaction when you talked about making a movie about him? Well, and it's funny because what you both have said is really encapsulated in what we've we've created, the art we've made, and and so that's very cool that you guys have touched on some of those things. Uh, you know, he said no. No, you know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Not shocking. Yeah. The um, short answer, and, no. <laughs> and so we had to sort of, uh, you know, go back to the drawing board and formulate our game plan to attack him. <laughs> and so we started with my mom, and she really said, look, Nolan, I was with you all these years, all over the place. I want you to make this movie for me. And my brother came at him with like, look, this is going to be really good for Nolan Ryan Beef and our other businesses. There you go. And I, I came at him of like, look, I'm going to be running the show as the executive producer. I'm going to make sure, you know, you don't look like a goof. We don't, you know, we, we honor your legacy. But at the same time, Jeff, I, I was very straightforward with, you know, Bradley Jackson and Russell Groves about this can't be a glorified home movie. And if this is going yeah. to be successful, it has to have controversy. Yeah. Now, he doesn't have the, hey, I was a drug addict and I overcame it or an alcoholic or I lived under the bridge or I gambled <laughs> and beat my wife like you know, people love that in a movie. He was movie, too busy beating up on Robin Ventura. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 yeah, we'll get to that. So really, <laughs> the, the this movie is about the enigma of Nolan Ryan. How do you rate somebody that is the all-time walks leader, all-time grand slam given up leader, all-time wild pitch leader, uh, all-time strikeout, no hitter? He's such a Paul Bunyan-esque figure, and how long he played – and you get to see the real Nolan Ryan about how he wanted to quit when he was with the Mets because it was he didn't have a lot of success. It was hard. Wow. How, you know, my mom made him keep playing and how family mattered to him because it, it was an escape from everything that was happening. And where he ended up really, you know, taking off was in California because of the power of a coach. One guy connected with him and it changed his career and made him a Hall of Famer. And so... I think it's going to be a lot of layers of the onion peeled back and people are going to get a real sense of what the true Nolan Ryan is, but then also hear from the others and the not bunning is definitely in there. And uh, I think for a baseball fan or somebody that wants a good family movie, uh, all of them are rolled into this story called Facing Nolan. Well, I think the wholesome part of it, you know, the Texas, the, you know, you can create controversy. We've all had that strife in our life. You mentioned getting out of baseball. That was one of my toughest times. I mean, one of the reasons we do this podcast, it was like, I was a baseball player till I was 30, you know, and then nothing, right? And then what are you going to do with your life? So I think, 
you know, uh, we don't need like the drug addict, the living under the bridge, the beating the wife necessarily to create controversy. Controversy, but I think what you mentioned, Paul Bunyan, is a great uh, analogy to what your what your father is and his legacy, and that he, for me, somebody that kind of came up when he was getting out of the game. You just hear the stories. I mean, it was like folklore, and you know, it might as well have been Paul Bunyan because he had all these fantastic. Um, kind of stories I already touched on one. Um, but uh, I guess the the other thing I want to ask about is with with your mom convincing him. I mean, Sam was like a whole project of everybody. Your brother had this role. You had that role, like selling him on it. Um, what what do you think he got out of the project if you've talked to him? Like what, what was his reaction now that you're going to South by Southwest and you've put this all together? I know he's proud of you and your brother for producing it and doing it the right way. But what did he get something out of this that he will kind of feel good about? You know, I think he will. I think, look, for every guy that's ever competed at the highest level, there's a level of ego and pride that makes you great, that makes you a major leaguer. And if you're a Hall of Famer, it's it's even more. Um, but he's also a very humble individual. He's watched it once, and it was like rough cut number one, and we're on final number 10 version of it. So, and I go, hey, what you think? He goes, yeah, that's fine. You know, so kind of like, uh, just like, you know, very humble. That's that's fine. But I can tell he's excited about it because he really got into who do you have doing it and who's doing an interview. And so what kind of my role was um, and where I think I'm going to have more success, we're already working on another one of these, is that people trust me. They trust our family. And so we interviewed... Roger Clemens, Pete Rose, Rod Carew, President Bush, Randy Johnson, uh, going back to, you know, Jerry Grody with the Mets, Bobby Gritch with the Angels, Pudge Rodriguez, Craig Biggio. I mean, I can just go on and on of all these people that said yes to doing it because one, the respect they had for my dad, but two, because they knew we were going to make something that, that was baseball centric and a baseball insider and we weren't going to make a mockery of anything of the game or them. And so that that level of trust gave us access to a lot of players that normally some guy on the street, you know, trying to make a movie about baseball would not have gotten. You mentioned the names that you are interviewing in this in this documentary mm-hmm. about your dad, Nolan Ryan. Of course, we're talking with Reed Ryan, the son of Nolan Ryan, uh, a real renaissance man, jack of all trades, and has been highly successful now as an executive producer, uh, you know, in the uh, media world, which is awesome. But you talked about some of the guys that you're interviewing. I'm a baseball fan. You're a baseball fan. How much fun was it to be able to approach these guys and have those conversations and hear those stories? Yeah, it was great. So normally, you know, uh, you know, the the networking in the game, I'd say, OK, who do we want to talk to if I didn't have their phone number? And fortunately, I have a lot in when my time as president of the Astros because they had this confidential directory you could get so I could sort of <laughs> nice. get to anybody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, normally I'd text them and say, hey, we're making a movie about my dad. Here's who I am. Most of them knew me. And then they just call me out of the blue and we'd have great conversations. And the script normally went the same man, let me tell you a story about the time I faced your dad. And I'd be like, awesome, we need that in the movie. Make sure you do it again. And then it was like, yeah, sure, when, when do you want to do it? And uh, we shot all over the place. Um, what I think you guys will appreciate about this movie is it, it, it's the, the cinematography in it from a interview perspective is varied 
and very cool. So we shot BGO in the dome, got permission to do that in the afternoon. Awesome. You know, we shot Randy at Talking Stick. We shot Pete Rose in Vegas at the new stadium. Some people like George Brett, we were at his house. We were at Pudge's house. So it's a nice mix of backgrounds. Um, we shot President Bush at his presidential library in Dallas, which was cool. And so, you know, some of it's stadiums, some of it's in, in you know, personal settings. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just really fun to connect and talk baseball because everything we're hearing right now is labor strife or rules changes or, you know, it's stuff that those that love the game just take away. And this is so pure. And we the key really for us, have you guys ever seen the movie Fastball at all? Yes. Great. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of the guys that worked on Fastball worked on this. And one of them is oh, a guy good. named Dave Check. And – the movie really is broken down into kind of four uh, what I'd consider uh, styles. There's the interview style. If you saw the Jordan documentary, like interviews, then there's kind of what they call verite, which is a lot of behind the scenes with my dad at the ranch and working cows and that kind of stuff. And then there is some the theatrical reenactments from times in his career, second, no hitter, no video, you know I mean? Not even yeah. on TV, you know, a lot of, Believe it or not, and so those moments we recreated uh, with with former major leaguers that we convinced to come in and and be Nolan Ryan at, at a certain point in his career, and then the last part that Dave worked on was the MLB archives, and we've got footage that people have never seen because awesome. Dave was the archivist at MLB for almost thirty years. And like 1980, the series with Philly and the Astros mm. were four of the five games went extra innings. Uh, back then, it was a five-game series to go to the World Series. And um, we were able to get some incredible footage. And Howard Cosell and Keith Jackson were the announcers. Way. That's that great. Game. Unbelievable. So that kind of tells you, like, people forget about that. But when yeah. you see it come together, uh, folks are going to go, wow, there's some cool stuff in here I've never seen before. Oh, man. I'm speechless. I'm looking forward to seeing it. No, I, I literally got chills yeah. talking about that 80 series. I mean, what's cool for me is being able to sit in the booth with the Houston Astros. I had an idea of what the Astros were and how some of these series went. But when I get the chance to get in the booth and interview Nolan Ryan, you know, we go through New York. I had a chance to talk to Keith Hernandez about the 86 series, mm -hmm. uh, working with Alan Ashby for as long as I did, Bill Brown and some of the – that's where I think some of the fans, and it's great that this is going to this is going to be a national release, so people outside of Houston will get to know a little bit more about Nolan Ryan. No, you're right, and Ash is great in this. You know, Alan worked with us oh, for good. a long time, and and he is in it, and he does a great job uh, in it as well. So the Astro years were were sort of in some ways the Ranger years have some of the best moments because yeah. it was later and the video was better and there was a lot more uh, you know sort of ESPN coverage and stuff like that. The Astro years are heavy on the interviews. And so we have Kevin Bass, Alan Ashby, Phil Garner, you know, Terry Poole, Craig Reynolds, uh, Mike <laughs> Scott. I mean, it's just Jose Cruz, Enos Cabell. You start throwing all these guys in and so many great personalities in there. Uh, I think they kind of make the personal teammate side probably better than anybody in this film. 
That, that's the part I want to hear, right? Like from the guys that were in the locker room with them. I mean, this is, you know, it's going to be fantastic. You already mentioned the Jordan documentary. I did watch uh, Man in the Arena with Tom Brady, which was, you know, mm-hmm. pretty good. I mean, I think just as uh, former athletes and fans of the game, I, you know, the inside stuff is always great. And I know that people appreciate it. Now, you and your brother obviously learned how to make a film through this process. Um, a lot of trial and error. You mentioned kind of the rough cut that you already showed. And now you're on like final cut number 10. I've listened to these people talk about being an author for the first time making a movie. Why don't you tell us what other projects you might be working on if that's possible? And then are they all going to be baseball or sports related? Or is this something now that, you know, Reed Ryan, the successful president of, you know, the Astros and all these other things, are you now going to be film producer extraordinaire? Are we going to see you at the Oscars one of these days? You know, I don't know about that. Um, You know, we made a documentary on Altuve for MLB Network when I was here with the Astros, and that was really a a fun process. Um, And so I have a television background, believe it or not, before I got into being a sports executive, I I worked as a sideline reporter for the Rangers for a couple years doing kind of the Julia Morales gig. Um, And so I had a, a little bit of a background. Um, we leaned heavy on the technical blocking and tackling from the pros, Russell and Bradley. Um, my main job as executive producer really was to sort of raise the capital to make the film and then uh, help make a lot of the decisions on who we were going to put in it and where we were going to go about filming it. Um, we have 20 pounds for a one pound bag. That's how much stuff we have. <laughs> and so as we go to South by Southwest with this cut, it's an hour and, and 35 minutes. Um, that film is ready to go. ESPN, Netflix, Hulu, we're getting inbound calls right now from all of these folks. Nice. Uh, we're hoping when we roll out of South by Southwest, we'll have an announcement on maybe who our streaming partner will be. Nice. But there's a chance they may say, hey, we want this to be a two-parter or a four-part documentary. And if that's the case, we have the amount of footage. And the reason that we went from you know t- uh, version one to version 10 was we had to cut a lot of stuff out. It just was too much for the movie. And we ended up showing it to some test audiences. Uh, some were made up of non-baseball fans. Some were made up of people that were just movie fans. Some were diehard baseball fans. Because you get so close in the making of it, um, like the Mets era. You know, how much did we want to go into about Tom Seaver's influence on my dad? How much did we want to go into it on the 69 World Series? And so that part, we ended up shortening a little bit uh, because it, it's an interesting story, but it's almost a story in its own. And when you play 27 years from wool uniforms and the World Series being in the daylight <laughs> all day to the steroid era and the Bash Brothers and, you know, that era, man, it's everything. And so that was the hardest challenge we had was trying to pick and choose what goes in here. And there will be some people that say, Hey, loved it, but you know, I wanted more of X, Y, or Z. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we didn't want to make Shogun, you know, like (laughs) month long series. Uh, So anyway, that's it. It is what it is. I think people will love it. And, and hopefully uh, if it goes well, then yeah, we're going to, we're going to move on to something else. That's awesome. I, I can't wait to see this thing. You're doing a very good job of selling it to me, but I'm, I've already been a fan. But, uh, you know, I want to talk a little more current. I don't know how much we can get into it or how much you want to peel back on this one, but uh, the current state of the game right now is a little bit frustrating. 
mm-hmm. because both sides seem to have their heels dug in on what on what their idea of a, a CBA should be moving forward. But may, maybe the question for you, because you've seen so many generations of the game of baseball, and we've been able to witness the greatness of what this game is, and and we both you know obviously love it and adore it. Uh, the state of the game right now, how do you feel about it? Yeah, you know, so I'm in a little bit of a strange position. Uh, you know, I'm on a board at MLB that, that is now governing the minor leagues. I represent all 30 AAA teams. Um, and so, look, I'm happy that the minor leagues are going to be playing. I was a player in 94. I uh, decided not to cross the picket line. Ended up shagging on the backfields for like 10 weeks straight and then kind of had a terrible year after that. Um I care about the fans. At the end of the day, without the fans, none of us have jobs. That's Amen. the bottom line. And there are parts of everything that that is going on in this. Um, what I find interesting is this is not about guys making money at the top. It's about guys in the middle and the bottom. And as a player, former player, not a major league player, that feels good that, that those guys are being taken care of. From the major league owner's side, which I said at the table in the last CBA, um, it's the teams that don't really ever have a shot to win that people are saying, hey, what about these guys with competitive balance tax and some of that? And so this is painful right now. Um, I hope it gets settled. But at the end of the day, I, I really truly believe that everybody wants the same thing, which is I want my team to have a shot to be able to win at some point and feel like after the first month of the season, we haven't been eliminated from playoff contention. And, you know, the issue is trust, and uh, hopefully some of that trust can be rebuilt and that we can move on down the road. Absolutely. Reed Ryan, a jack of all trades and very good at every single one of them. I wish you nothing but success. I'm excited to see this this film called Facing Nolan. Give the fans an idea of, of how to how to follow you or how to follow the uh, you know where this film can be seen and all of uh, everything that goes on with it. Just how do they find out where this is and how to follow what's going on with this project? Yeah, yeah, no problem, Jeff. Um, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Robert Reed Ryan. I'm not sure why I chose the longest Twitter name in the history. <laughs> History, but <laughs> when I got on, I put my full name in there, and then I was like, "Oh, that's my handle." Oh, well, I'm stuck with it. Um, so at Robert Reed Ryan, and then uh, we have a facing Nolan, um, both Twitter and Instagram page. And really, the plan here is, you know, we're going to South by. This will be fun. Hopefully, we win an award. Uh, one of the funny stories is. I was like, yeah, Dad, and if we win, that could be big for this. He goes, win? What do you mean win? You know, now the competitor, and I'm like, yeah, all of a sudden he perked up. <laughs> he was like, well, like, he's like, he's, who, who's in this? And I was like, well, I pulled the thing out. I was like, oh, Tony Hawk has a movie. And he was like, Tony Hawk, the skater? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, it looks like Ron Howard is putting a film in. He's like, like, these are real people. And I'm like, yeah, what do you think this was? A bunch of high school kids, you know? So... Now your dad wants to kick Ron Howard's ass. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, exactly. He's like, Opie, we're coming for you. you know? I love it. Um, awesome. But anyway, yeah, so you guys will be seeing more. But, um, yeah, it'll come out this summer. And, in fact, we were about to roll out a plan uh, before the lockout missed games. And, and hopefully we'll still have it. But we're, we're looking to do a ballpark tour this oh, summer nice. as well. Yep. Um, so we're hoping that after South by there is a – a deal announced with a with a major streamer uh, slash network, 
And then on top of that, uh, people would be able to see it throughout the summer at theaters and in uh, stadiums around the country. So stay tuned. Like everything else, we'll see how the lockout goes. Yep. Good time with executive producer Reed Ryan. All the best on that. And I can't wait to see you again. Always good hanging out with you. And when this thing hits it and you do win that award, we'll have you back on to talk about the uh, the, the, the winning speech and maybe uh, how your dad wow. felt about it. All right. I appreciate it, boys. Dad, good to see you, Jeff. Plumber, be good. Y'all have Thank a good you. one. All right. Thanks, Reed. My goodness, it was great to reconnect with Reed Ryan. I am fortunate enough to be able to to have him on my confidential list, much like I have David Tuttle on that confidential list of of contacts that I can reach out to whenever I, I need information or want to have a conversation. But uh, he is amazing people. I know that if we actually got into a little bit heavier conversation about the overlap of guys that we've played against, that would probably unleash another two-hour podcast or an episodic podcast for the Blue because you know the, it's amazing that that ancestral nature of baseball when you have guys that are all the same age like Reed, David Tuttle, myself, and some of the guys we played against. But that was a lot of fun to be able to talk to Reed. I'm glad you got to finally meet him, Tuttle. Yeah, you know our paths had crossed at one time or another. But uh, yeah, I, like you said, if the three of us ended up just you know shooting the breeze on who we knew and who we played against and when we saw where and what flights we were on, it would be a <laughs> it would be a it would be a five hour journey, probably a conversation. But he was fantastic, and I think you know it's nice to have the resources to be able to do that. But he's uh you know in in many ways I know he's you know a kind of a self made man in that regard, and I think it it probably took a lot to convince. Um, you know, his dad to do the project. And it sounds like it were, they were very strategic about how they went about it. But uh, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, as I mentioned, like Man in the Arena and then the Jordan documentary. I mean, these things are just, I can't get enough of them. And if this thing's anything close to that, um, I mean, like I said, for us, near and dear to our hearts as baseball, this might yeah. even be, you know, better than those. Yeah. And that's what's crazy. Isn't it funny? Those documentaries that you you had uh, just spoken of, it's interesting how you get attracted or why they make those. And I think the reason they make them is because of the, the caliber of athlete that is being documented. And you really can't get your mind or you know, it's hard to get your, even if you've played the game and played with or against these guys, how hard is it to wrap your mind around the greatness that these guys provided us on the field. And I think that's probably the fun of watching some of these documentaries. But now we get an inside look of who Nolan Ryan actually is. And you'll probably, see, if you ask Nolan, he probably wanted more shots of him, you know, wrangling cattle than anything else. No, I, I believe that. I think, you know, we played baseball at a high level. I mean, you're a 15, 16 year major league player and you're still in awe of some of these guys like Pudge and mm -hmm. Pete Rose and Nolan Ryan. I mean, that just lets you know that the level they're playing at, what they show up with every day, I mean, you know, you almost look like at our jobs, like a regular job and those guys, what they're doing is, you know, but I think we're all looking, we do this with diets and exercise. We're always looking for that secret sauce. And yeah, I think when point, you realize yeah. that there isn't a whole lot of secret sauce in there, it's hard work <laughs> and this, you know, God-given talent that I, I think that's what, well, that's what keeps us tuning in for lack of a better word. It's like, we're like, oh, ooh, ooh, I want, I want, what's the secret sauce? Mm -hmm. Like, like we're going to make some comeback or something like that. You just realize they're fantastic. You know, the one comparison I had with Nolan Ryan because um, 
you know, Reed was, you know, his dad's super humble. So they talk about, yeah, the most no hitters and the most innings pitch and the most strikeouts, but he's also given up the most grand slams and the most walks. <laughs> There's another that side just means to you, it. But that just means you are around a long time. And it just reminds yeah. me of Brett Favre. Like people will forget, they never put Brett Favre at number one on the list. They never put Nolan Ryan at number one on the list in terms of where they were. But that longevity and the consistent play at a high level, you know, we've talked about this in terms of Hall of Famer. I mean, it's funny how he, you know, I mean, he almost gets dinged for having the most walks. But it's like, dude, you played mm-hmm. 27 years and he threw 100 <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, he's going to walk a lot of guys. That's just the way it is. Yep. No, it's amazing. Yeah, well, you're Brett Favre. You're talking about the interceptions. I mean, yeah. you, the longevity in the game is probably the one more most impressive things. And I think when you do talk to current ball players and they have a chance to look at some of these numbers, you do look at the strikeout numbers on Nolan, and then all of a sudden you realize 27 years in the major leagues and what that would, what that takes, and the ability to do that, especially in a day and age where guys are only throwing, if they throw 150 innings, you're going, wow, this guy's a Cy Young candidate. But Nolan has had seasons of 300 innings and 350 strikeouts. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch facing Nolan. I I know that if Reed and the Ryan name is on this thing, it is going to be well done. And a lot of these stories are going to be a lot of fun to hear. So all the best to Reed Ryan and the Ryan family. All the best to the bleachers. Thank you for listening to this episode. It was a lot of fun to get some of that content. And I just hope and pray that everybody out there is is having a good a good time early on in this season. And I hope that we do eventually have a season. But we obviously want to give a shout out to all of the military personnel who, who around the world uh, who are protecting our borders and keeping us safe. And obviously the first responders, EMTs, firefighters, police uh, personnel, the uh, essential workers, the all the doctors and and medical who are who are continuing to keep us safe. So, oh, teachers. We love you. We wouldn't be here without you learning everything that we know and having every uh, one of you adapt to the current situation and the ongoing uh, process here at home. So thank you to all of them. Tuttle again is our closer, man. Bring this thing home. Yeah, the teachers, that's a good one. My daughters have a half day today. So, you know, at least put in the effort for half the day today, <laughs> teachers, right? You should know, put an extra effort on the half day. Stuff. Little extra effort. That's right. Um, yeah, so uh, remember, if you're over the age of 45, please get screened for colorectal cancer. Our best to uh, your wife, Corey. Uh, Thank you very much. recovery. Yeah. And um, as always, we encourage all our listeners to get after it and believe it. Believe it. Believe it. We're recording, huh? Am I, am yep. I an idiot? We are. Okay. We are. You can put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, three, two, one.